short. Michael double teamed on the drive in for the left. Gets chased in the corner. Welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Indeed, basketball is hood. I'm so glad that you're with me here for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, whether you're listening on Spotify or if you're listening on the ESPN Chicago app on the Cap and J Hood Podcast feed. Welcome. Welcome to this podcast as we talk everything basketball could be college could be pro but since we're in the middle of the nba playoffs of course we'll be talking about the nba let's first talk about the brooklyn nets and the milwaukee bucks you know we're at our station's golf outing esp 1000 station golf outing the grip it and sip it classic at seven bridges and i kept checking my phone because we were there a little bit later, and I'm checking my phone. I'm just watching the scores of what was happening there with the um, Bucks and the Nets, and I'm saying to myself, "What in the world is going on here?" 125 to 86, as if Milwaukee wasn't even on the floor. And like, like you know, two things that resonate. First, the Nets. You give them all the props in the world, right? Because of the way that they played. I mean, they're up now two games to none. And from the net standpoint, I'm just like, wow, you're doing this without James Harden. You're doing this as a team that has not really been together more than 20 games this season because of injuries or people being absent like Kyrie Irving. But I'm seeing a team with no Dinwiddie, who is a very good player for the Brooklyn Nets no Harden, who is a Hall of Famer and a guy that is a difference maker on the floor. And then, like, no Jeff Green, who is a great glue player and a veteran for any team, including this Brooklyn team. But Kevin Durant took the bull by the horns and had 32 points, and he had six assists. And then from there, Kyrie Irving had his 22 and six. And the Nets poured it on from the beginning, 36 to 19 advantage. And Milwaukee looked so stagnant. And looks so poor defensively. Now, it's one thing about Kevin Durant, which we'll talk about Kevin in just a moment. But I look at it from the Bucks standpoint. It's like Giannis Antetokounmpo is a guy that I don't think that a lot of teams fear. We know that he can score. We know that he's been the MVP several times in the NBA. But that's not the point. I don't fear Giannis when he's on the floor. You know, Middleton to me is more of that clutch player, but Middleton was poor from the outside. He was three for eight from three, but he was seven for 20 from the field. And don't get some of these numbers twisted. I mean, this game was over at halftime. Middleton had 17 points, and Giannis only had 18 points. Eight for 15 from the field. He did not hit a three. He was two for seven from the line. He had 11 rebounds and four assists. And it was just, uh, just another player out there. So I guess my whole thing with him is it's like, you just can't be just another player. I mean, the Bucks got through the first round, sure, but it's not even the Nets in full speed, not even their full complement of players. And the Nets went through the Milwaukee Bucks like they were nothing. I was really surprised by that in a big way. 
And so now it goes back to Milwaukee, and can Milwaukee be able to turn things around? Hey, who, who knows? But just the way that they played, I, I look at Giannis, and I know that Kevin Durant is pretty much unstoppable. It's hard to guard him. But I would love to see Giannis on Durant more often. You get some of these off-the-ball guys. You have, like, a P.J. Tucker on Durant. That doesn't work. You want to throw a lot of different guys at Durant, but that's the focal point of the offense, especially with Harden not being in there. You know, and Joe Harris is a guy that can hurt you from the outside if you're the Nets as well, but it's Durant and Irving. Those are the big two, and then Harris shoots a number of threes. He had 13 points, three and seven from the three-point stripe uh, in yesterday's game, on Monday's game, but it's like, wow. The Bucks, if they get swept or if they're out four games to one, there has to be a coaching change, and I'm not one to try to just push people out of the door, but there has to be a change in personnel. I mean, Holiday and Middleton and Giannis didn't sound like a big three to me, but they should. I thought they'd be formidable enough to be able to hang in there, at least split in the series against the Nets. Not the case at all. Let's hear from the White Mamba. Yes, Brian Scalabrini does a show every morning on SiriusXM NBA Radio. I think he gives a really great breakdown of who Kevin Durant is. Think about Kevin Durant and the times that you've seen him play. Different teams, Golden State with Oklahoma City, uh, with Seattle, uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. There's one constant about Kevin Durant. He seems to be unguardable. Thinking right now, Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA. And I was kind of sh- going love to Luka, and I was throwing love to Jokic, and I'm throwing love to LeBron, and I'm like watching it all. Like, what we're going to have again is the best player in the NBA is going to win the championship again because that best player is Kevin Durant. The game of basketball is so easy to him, and he's really unguardable right now. You have the mid-range off the jumper. You have the post-up. You have the three. You can get to the basket. You can pass it. You make everyone around you better. Defensively, you're a beast. You can you can play against bigger guys. You can guard a Lopez. You can guard a Giannis. Kevin Durant's best player in the NBA, and right now the Brooklyn Nets are the best team in the NBA. And I don't know why it took me this long to realize. Like maybe I had a hard time just conceptualizing how a guy, you know, two years ago busted his Achilles and he can come back and still be the number one player in the NBA. But that's what we're seeing, and that's what it is. How can you be this good? I don't know. It's incredible. Like he had a major, major injury. He didn't play for 500 days, for crying out loud. Yeah, and Frank Isola jumps in his co-host there at the end as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Scalabrini's right on the head. And what Isola said at the back end of that cut is correct. You miss all that time, and you really don't miss a beat. The reason why is because Kevin Durant is just that talented. And so Brooklyn, a team that I didn't think would get to the finals or win the East because of the amount of time that the team has been away from each other. Kyrie off doing his own thing. Uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden now. He's away. Who knows when he'll return to the playoffs, even if he does. So I have to give Kevin Durant, out of all that, a lot of credit. I think Scalabrini and I solo hit it right. He is a very, very special player. And as uh, Scalabrini said, the best player in the NBA. How about that, LeBron? So let's talk about the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets as well. The Suns are up one game to none in the series as we record this here on Tuesday morning. So it is great to see the Suns up in this series. Uh, I think it might be very competitive, as a matter of fact. 
this might go seven. At least that's the hope. Um, but the thing I really like about the Suns, and I've liked them a lot this season, is just how they are just tied together. And I know that's cliche, but what I'm saying is, is that when I watch Suns basketball, there's a plan there. When I watch Monty Williams' team, you know, when we see Bridges and see Jay Crowder, a veteran that's been around for a long time, DeAndre Ayton playing meaningful basketball, playoff basketball is a big. And then you have the backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Do you know Paul and Booker combined 42 points and 19 assists? I mean, I mean, it's exactly what you wanted. They were able to share the basketball more than the Nuggets in game one of that series. And there's no shade to Jokic or Porter or some of the players on the Nuggets. It's just that I really like what the Suns have built. One of the top teams in the West going into the playoffs. And as everyone looks at the Lakers and the Clippers and everyone looks at the Mavericks and because of Luka Doncic and everything else, the Suns quietly have done a terrific job. That coaching staff and also the team has just come together under Monty Williams. And so I thought they did a stellar job in game one. Can they continue their momentum against the Denver Nuggets? That's that's a big, uh, tall task because the Nuggets are very good as well. There's Reggie Theus, by the way, the former Chicago Bull and, and also an analyst for SiriusXM was talking about Chris Paul. I love the barbershop argument when it comes to who's the best point guard or who are the top uh, five point guards all time in the NBA. Can you put Chris Paul on that list of top five point guards? Is, would you put him in the top ten? Now, Chris Paul, to me, has always been the, the straw that stirs a drink for any team. It's just about his health because he's up in age and he can still get it done as long as he's healthy. We saw him in the first round, you know, writhing in pain with the elbow right to the trapezius over the shoulder right there. And he was having a hard time there. But if he stays healthy, Chris Paul can really help a team. Uh, Reggie Theus thinks that he might be the best of them all. Basketball, to me, is about controlling the tempo. And when you can control the tempo of the game, when you have someone that can facilitate the game and actually sort of manipulate the game, it, Chris Paul is one of the best ever to do it. And so this this is one of the reasons why they've jumped so when far. When you say manipulate the game, explain what you mean by that, Reggie. Well, it, it's, it's hard to explain in layman terms, but in just... When you need a certain bucket, when you need a, a, a pass to a certain place, when you need the game to slow down, when you need the game to speed up, making the right pass at the right time. You know, there's different ways to tempo the game. One of the things that Brad and I were talking about earlier is you tempo the game sometime by throwing it to the post. And the big guy, Brad, can be the tempo changer and control the tempo. He tempos the game. And that means he has control of the game. And that that's kind of what I mean by manipulating the game and when things are going on you see Chris Paul probing the defense you see Chris Paul talking to his players you see Chris Paul making the things that leaders do that's controlling the game in the tempo congratulations to the MVP of the NBA Jokic the Joker Nikolai Jokic from the Denver Nuggets is the MVP and before you say, oh, boy, they just kind of just handed him the MVP trophy. The same Jokic that was able to dominate Jokic in round one against Portland. But even in the regular season, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. Dude was dominant all season. 
Maybe you want to give it to Joel Embiid. Maybe you want to give it to Chris Paul or somebody else. But Jokic has been dominant all season long. They didn't just hand him the trophy. He earned it with the Denver Nuggets. So I just don't believe him just dissing Jokic just to diss Jokic. The guy deserves to be MVP. I'm totally fine with that. This is a year where... If it was LeBron, it'd been great, but LeBron has been injured a lot. If it was Giannis, Giannis has won it a couple times. You know, if it was Kevin Durant or if it was uh, Kyrie Irving, been great, but those guys were not around. And you could call it the default MVP, but all I know is that the guy continued to work and got better every single game, in my view. And so Jokic deserves to have that MVP. So congratulations to him. There's no diss on Jokic. He wasn't handed the trophy; he earned it based on what he did as far as his production with the Denver Nuggets. Let's talk a little bit about the Portland Trailblazers, a couple of things with the Trailblazers. So, number one, Damian Lillard gets knocked out of the first round again. Just for context, let me just take a look at basketball reference. Let me just take a look at this. Okay. So, under Terry Stotts, who was let go, by the way, and rightfully so. So, lost in the first round this year. Lost in the first round last year. Lost in the conference finals the year before. Lost in the first round. Lost in the first round. Lost in the Western uh, Conference semifinals. Uh, lost in the first round. Lost in the conference semifinals. That is uh, the playoff scenario for the Portland Trailblazers under Terry Stotts. The first year he was there taking over from Nate McMillan, the Trailblazers were 33-49 and 49, did not make the playoffs. But let's listen to the records. I'm going to go up starting at... Uh, the 2013-2014 season, while Stotts has been in there, right? So, 54-28, and 51-31, and 41-38, 500-41-41, 49-33, 53-29, 35-39 in the bubble season, and 42-30. and All, for the most part, good records for you to be able to get to the playoffs, but even more importantly, Damian Lillard was on a lot of those teams. And so, here's the issue. Very similar to Derrick Rose when he was in Chicago. Uh, Damian Lillard has always said, yeah, I, I don't need to recruit. Uh, I'll just deal with the team that I have. If people people know I'm here. They know how talented this team is, meaning they know how talented I am. So if they want to come to a winning situation, they know where to find me. So Dame has always said, I don't want to recruit. Okay, cool. That's fine. But Damian Lillard has stood still in his career. And Damian Lillard is one of the all-time great Portland Trailblazers. I mean, there's a lot of them that really played well, like a Clyde, uh, Clyde Drexler or uh, LaMarcus Aldridge or Sheed Wallace, you know, uh, Terry Porter. But there's no doubt that Dame is one of the all-time greats. He's been with the Portland Trailblazers since he was 22. He's now 30 years old. He started in the 2012-2013 season. And he has put up some tremendous numbers, there's no doubt. But here's the problem, is that if Portland is not giving you the players that you need to play with, I mean, C.J. McCollum is a good player. C.J. McCollum also is a guy that does not mind being the number two guy, the Robin to uh, Damian Lillard's Batman. And so that's good, but you always need more. Now, there's two things that work here. Portland needs to have better players offensively, yes, but also the West has been stacked for a long time. And so that also is a problem. As talented as Lillard is, it's always a struggle for him to get out of the first round because of how talented the Western Conference is. So there has been a school of thought from uh, several people regarding Damian Lillard. What should he do? Should he stay with Portland? Should he get a trade? 
All I know is that he says that he loves Portland and he loves uh, the organization. Uh, and as I always said, look, I, I, I'm the face of the Portland Trailblazers. If people want to come play with me, they know where to find me. He doesn't want to recruit. Okay, so some thoughts here from Bonzi Wells, a former Blazers guard. Of course, you remember Bonzi playing in the league, and so he knows that market very well, but being a former Trailblazer, he thinks maybe it's time for uh, Damian Lillard to look elsewhere. Done everything possible to show his loyalty. His, I mean, whenever he started from day one, he, he stuck to the plan in terms of mission statement. I mean, he's trying to lead this team. He's put blood, sweat, and tears on the court every time he plays, and I just think it's at the point now where Damon's at the it's time for Damon to go to a different situation because they, they they tried to bring in players that can help him. They tried to do everything they can to get him up over the hump, and it just hasn't happened yet. And you know, and I, I, you know, like you said earlier about Jason Kidd, which is a you know a Oakland legend. You know, and, um, you know, and I know it's probably somebody that Damon Little probably looked up to, and then when he said no to the the, the position. I probably that, that probably was maybe a destiny for the future of Dame Lillard. I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier, a team like the Lakers or somebody is really going to be, I've heard of six or seven different teams that's trying to get him, but from my from my point of view, I think a team like the Lakers would be a perfect fit for Dame if they really, because, you know, Brian, as you saw, Brian, Brian is getting a lot older. He couldn't really, you know, close that series down in Phoenix. And if you get a guy like Dame Lillard, I think it'll take your, take your team to the next level. But in my opinion, Dame's days in Portland are over with. Huh. So Bonzi Wells think that, thinks that this is the end for Dame Lillard in Portland. Now, let's talk about this for a second. It's always good to have a star in every market. This is what David Stern put together when he was the commissioner of the NBA. And he's right. To be able to go to every market and say, oh, there's John Morant in Memphis. Oh, there is... Jimmy Butler in Miami. Oh, there's Luca in Dallas. There is Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers. There's uh, LeBron James and AD with the Lakers. And then there's the Pacific Northwest, and you can see Damian Lillard there. Yeah, it's important to have a star in every market. I think that's kind of cool for the league. You had that in the NFL, so why not in the NBA? But here's my point, is that with Damian Lillard, as good as he has been over the years, there has to be a, a certain part of... Uh, of frustrating times for him in his life, right? He's thinking, man, I'm getting paid well, but I just want to win a championship or at least, at least get close to it. And he can't get close to it, especially while Ty- Terry Stotts was the head coach. So does he go elsewhere in the offseason? Now, here's, as Bonzi Wells just said, he just kind of jumped me here, but I got to say it. Terry Stotts probably deserved to be fired because... That team could not get out of neutral. There was always in the first round and out. So maybe, and there's a number of jobs open. Terry Stotts will be coaching again. That's no problem. I know that's going to be the case. But, um, so who is going to be the new head coach for Portland? Now, this story regarding uh, Jason Kidd is very interesting. Jason Kidd decided that he did not want to be the head coach of Portland because Damian Lillard told Portland Brass, he's, you know, you know, I want the next coach to be Jason Kidd. He said this on the record, said, I want him to be the head coach. And somehow Jason Kidd withdrew his name from consideration being the head coach. So Damian Lillard had a coach in mind, and then Jason Kidd says, no, I'm not going to do that. 
And so now who's the next head coach going to be? That's going to be an interesting thing to, to watch because if Dame had someone picked out and either Portland didn't do, do their due diligence or our kids said, no, I don't think I want this situation. Either way, I think it's very interesting. My friend Amin El Hassan and my friend Jason Jackson on NBA Insiders on NBA Radio were talking about this. And um, it's a very selfless thing for Jason Kidd to do to be able to withdraw his name, even though Damian Lillard says, I really would love for you to be my head coach. That's a very selfless thing to, for Jason Kidd to do, uh, to understand not just, you know, the point you were making at the end of the last hour, Jess, but to understand even just within this context, like Damian Lillard had painted the organization in a corner pretty much by publicly letting it be known who he wants. Um, and from that standpoint, if you're Jason Kidd, you're probably thinking, well, I don't want to be hired because, well, Dame wanted him, right? It's kind of like... Yeah, that's a constant underpinning. Yeah, it's... it's right. It's like looking for love, Jax, right? You don't want to be loved. Like, you know, you 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 are happily married, but I'm pretty sure it probably wouldn't have gone far if, like, Sherelle, your wife, said, yeah, I'm just dating him because he, he gets to go to sporting events for free and I want to be able to go. Like, that, that doesn't make you feel good as a person, no. even if yeah. you've achieved the goal of, oh, she's going out with me. She wants to marry me. She wants to have my babies. Like, all of that gets cheapened if you know it's purely transactional, right? I'm just, you know, and there's nothing about me that is likable or attractive or whatever. The same concept applies to, to uh, you know, to, to coaching and to jobs, to employment, right? I guess, I guess the next uh, closest example of that would be like nepotism. I, wanna be I wouldn't want to be hired here at SiriusXM because my dad is is uh you know mr serious or mr exum right my dad is is john exum el hassan but he, he dropped the el hassan just, just for the when he came, satellite business. when he came to yeah when he came to ellis island he, he dropped el hassan and just stuck Drop with exum. meet this serious guy so serious yeah 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 you know so uh, the idea is that you want to be recognized for your talents and your abilities and that's why you got the job you know what? That makes a lot of sense. But again, it's my friend Amin El Hassan, so I'm not surprised that he made that point. So think about this. Damian Lillard says, I want you to be my head coach. And he gets the job. Well, of course, if Jason takes the job, then everyone will point and say, see, you're Damian Lillard's boy. And then on top of that, you know, if you're the head coach of Portland and if you're Jason Kidd, you know, if this is what Dame wanted, what about the rest of the players? What would C.J. McCollum or other players think? Nurkic, all these other players think. What would they think? I'm sure they would say, well, wait a minute. Like, you are Damian Lillard's boy, but what about me? Aren't you coaching me too? It's, I think that's just a slippery slope. So it's a great point that was made there. Don't forget, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. DraftKings has been great to this podcast and to our show Cap and J-Hood mornings between 7 and 10 a.m. Central on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Hope that you continue to follow this podcast. It comes out on Spotify. If you are a Spotify listener, make sure that you uh, subscribe there. And definitely on the ESPN Chicago app, you'll be able to hear um, this podcast as well. 
I am having a ball watching the NBA playoffs. I hope that you are too. Don't forget to hit me up with some feedback at TweetJHood on Twitter. I'd love to get your thoughts and some of the stuff that's going on around the NBA as well. Make sure you reach out to me. I'd love to be able to interact with you regarding what's going on in the association. I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for listening to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook.